Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers, using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like School districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice? curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Hello, Mary. Hello. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to talk to you. You have been one of the the bright lights to my social media feed over the last few months. I don't know how I found you, but I am so happy I did. So thank you for the work that you do. Oh, it's fun being playful on the internet and seeing what it brings up in other people. Don't you love that? This is this is what I love about you. I just said, thank you for the work that you do. And you said, it's fun to be playful. Like work can be fun. Yeah. If and we're in the right work. <laughs> isn't it rewarding to help parents and kids in this space? It is in the human space. Yes. Instagram can get a little weird and people okay. do come in and I would change this word. And, you know, that's not always the case. So it's it's fascinating that people have a hard time either take what works for you or leave and find somebody else. So when you say, is it rewarding in this space? The Instagram thing is weird, but yes, so rewarding to start out talking with a mom who is overwhelmed and kind of gritting her teeth and, and, and feeling so resentful about her child and to see her eight weeks later and she's beaming and seeing this is like a, I don't know, a spiritual uh, connection she has with her kids. So that is lovely. Yeah, it is. That, that is, that is, that's what I love. I love providing people with skills and strategies and tools and then watching them fly and watching the kids benefit. So Mary, this is what I always do. I go 17 layers into the onion before I even say, what's your name? So (laughs) let's, let's put this. Okay. And and let you. Who are you? Introduce yourself. Tell everybody what you do, where, where you are, all the, all the good stuff. Okay, I'm Mary Van Geffen, and I am the international parenting coach for the Spicy Ones. And I work out of Long Beach, California. I my I make my money running a, a couple signature digital courses that also have uh, like live coaching with me, and that's Moms of Spicy Ones, which is an eight week course. And then I've got Calm, Kind, and Firm, which are each a little over an hour, and you can watch those anytime you want. And I am basically I'm in the home stretch of parenting, I suppose. I've got a 19-year-old who's a freshman at college who is my spicy one, and she made it, and we made it, and we're close and connected, and I've got a mild child who's 16 and just told me that he wants to go to a college where he can't get back except for holidays. I'm just kind of working through that. He isn't going to be close to me because we could trade. Mine wants to go to Southern California. Oh, interesting. Okay. And did you know there's a whole Facebook group of like moms near my child's school where these moms will go to, they live near a college and they'll take care of your kid, like drop off sick medication or whatever. So, okay. Yes. yes, We'll do that. We'll help each other. You take, you take Sudafed every four hours. Did you take your Sudafed? Yes. No, Advil is also every four hours, not six. What are you doing? Right. It's so Can I do it? Do I qualify? Yes. yes. <laughs> Although my mind doesn't know how to take a pill yet, but let's not let's not sit here and barrage the mild child. He's a good boy. Uh, what else about me? I've got a spicy dog. 
uh, but also makes me feel intense shame because I'm sure he is trainable if I would apply myself and and uh-huh. the, he just does what he wants and it's incredible. And I've got a, a loving husband who just left for a four day trip and I'm just dancing glee because it's just nice to have the quiet when the, I mean, men and their sneeze screaming and their, their cough shouting and the snoring and the what's on your docket today. I just, I'm excited to have, and that's part of having ADHD is, is feeling so, I don't know, uh, triggered by interruptions. And so I get four days of just me and my quiet, mild child living life. I mean, we might, we might put on classical music. You Isn't know, it so. the best? I know. I know. I just, I, my husband barked at me in front of a server this weekend. And I was like, don't bark at me ever, but not in front of a server for heaven's sakes. And I realized it was way more about me than it was. He wasn't being disrespectful, <laughs> but don't tell him that. Okay. Yeah. Don't you tell still him won. That. You won the argument. Good job. Yeah. Like his eyebrows are made like that and his voice is just deep, but you know, he should do something about it. Yes. He should. Yeah. They all should. He should do something about his eyebrows. Maybe like, maybe he needs reverse Botox to take him down a little. Yeah, well, you're talking about how our facial expressions really impact the regulation of other human beings. And especially if we're in the highly sensitive camp, which you might be, where we are over-processing or deeply processing what other people's faces and emotions and just the temperature of their vibe. And so, yeah, it can be a lot when you, it sounds like we have different flavors of man at home. Mine is toxic positivity and I want to go deep and sad and he's confused by it. You've got more of an alpha male. Congratulations. They come in all types. Uh, That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. This is, this is, this is awesome. You are, you are great. And you can already tell the kind of input that Mary could give to your family. You guys, so, so helpful and such helpful stuff. Mary, let's talk about what a spicy one is. I love, I have used the word spicy for a while because frankly, my son, Jack, who is 13 and has Down syndrome, he's over my shoulder here a little bit younger. Oh, well, we had some technical issues here. There he is. My my little cro- crooked smile, blonde hair guy. He is spicy. He is as spicy as can be. And I, he, we call him Hurricane Jack and he is also a hurricane. Now he's like maybe a tropical storm because he's like, you know, grown up. But I, I did switch to spicy not too long ago because I was calling him wild and crazy. And I think teachers and therapists and whatever, I'd be like, oh, he's wild and crazy. And they like made him anxious because they'd be like, what are we going to do next? And like they weren't co-regulating to him. Uh-huh. And what they needed to know was his, I think to me, spicy conveys his anxiety and his impulsivity and his like his um, zest, but also kind of that wild and crazy thing that that makes him fun. But it's not just all fun, right? So, like, what does spicy mean to you? Well, and before we move on, I just want to say that I feel like moms with a child with Down syndrome have this special burden where there's this like expectation like aren't they always sweet and they're smiling and they're such sunshine babies right it's like no they Uh -uh. can be incredibly intractable like any human there's a wealth and range of emotions so 
just want to give a shout out that I, I feel yes, for you because having an invisible issue with your kid sometimes is harder than a, a glaring, obvious one. But okay, so in in my realm, spicy one it means a child who has a fierce drive for independence and feels things intensely and is gifted in some ways and incredibly inept in others, prone to having big emotional outbursts, uh, feels things just so deeply, whether that's joy or anger, feels very comfortable negotiating with adults right up until the time they realize there's a clear limit and then they melt down like somebody two years younger than them. They are silly. They're brutally honest. They're going to be the change makers in the future. They're going to be the people who stand up for justice and who go countercultural because what the culture does doesn't make sense in this. So they're innovative. They're not followers. And just a lot of need for autonomy. And I do it. And uh, persistence. And then often they're highly sensitive. And so they're taking in, like I said earlier, like all these inputs are wearing them down and filling their sensory cups so much quicker than other kids. So you might look like as the mom that you're walking on eggshells when actually you're doing like acrobatic, logistical, deep calculus to know like, okay, if we do this, then that means later we can't do this. And so it can be kind of lonely to have a spicy one because you're going to get people saying, did you, why don't you just tell him no? Or do you ever think about saying, telling him he can't do that? Like, it's not this kid. It's much, it's expert level parenting. Yeah. And I also think to that extent that, I mean, that's like such a beautiful description. And I, and my follow-up to that is what's it look, what's it look like in the kid? Like, you know, to an outsider, what, what are you going to see? Like, what's a teacher going to see of a spicy one and that kind of thing. But I will say to what you just said, I also think it's hard to find help because you talk to a therapist and the therapist is like, oh, well, you know, if they've got food sensitivities, what we know is food sensitivities or control issues around food or whatever. Well, you can hide avocado in baby yogurt for your infant that throws the spoon across the thing. And you're like, we cuss here. Bitch, I was hiding yogurt when I was a babysitter and I was four. I was hiding peas and yogurt when I was. I know that trick. I know that trick. Like, I don't need to trick my kid. I need to help my kid to learn how to self-regulate or how to access outside tools and skills and strategies to regulate them. So I think part of it, like, and this is why I love the stuff that you do so much, Mary, is like, you totally get it. And then you're like, and here's what we do to help you. And that's, I think, the value that you can provide to people. But like just to really hammer it home, because I do have grandparents that listen to the podcast and teachers that listen to the podcast. And like for us parents that are trying to communicate for our kids and for the kids whose behavior is communication that they need help, what does that look like on the outside? I mean, it's not always just meltdowns, is it? Uh, well, we'll start with the meltdowns. It's it's sort of what appears to be inflexibility. Like, wait, you said we were going to go to the park and and it's raining. But we were going to go to the park. So it's latching on to things and then getting very emotional where it doesn't quite feel logical. And it also looks like impulsivity and poking the bear, kind of being contrarian for what appears like no reason, like wanting to create a little bit of drama because you're you're somewhat sensory seeking. It can also look like 
controlling behavior of trying making your peers do things. And sometimes that can be the teacher's pet. Like, oh, this kid is great. They get everybody to do this thing or they they pick up people's pins. Well, some of that underlying thing is that they are they're needing to exert their sort of will on other people or they're highly distractible and they're seeing everything. So they're trying to reduce what's distracting them. What you don't see is a lot of people pleasing. And so that's the that's the upside is usually the spicy ones are not the ones, you know, in college, um, uh, not not finding their voice and saying no to something that would would not be good for them or being taken advantage of that can be very disruptive in a classroom. It's like we're all going here. Well, no, I don't want to because of this. And, you know, and and it's really hard in an institutional setting. Like people say, can you make um, materials for teachers? I have no idea what to tell you if you have 25 kids and three of them are spicy. You're, you are a hero. I yeah. will say befriend them. You're going to, you're when, with connection is going to come any ability you will have to correct them and to get cooperation. So have them sit right next to you, say, bring them up in the, and talk about them, give them a special job because they, they kind of can be the alpha and they need their brains need to be working on something, but it is really hard to have them in a group of kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're so I'm curious. I had a little parenthetical in our in our planning questions. I think like you're describing me. I, I will now self-identify as spicy. Oh no, little spicy one. And I think about I was like that teacher's pet kind of spicy. And now I get like super I'm hyper focused. I get super intense about things. I'm like trying to figure out the attendance policy for my mild child who, you know, has three days and five AP classes and he's a great swimmer. So he misses practice or he misses school for swim meets and, you know, they just aren't responding. And I'm like, like, I'm on it because they're responding. They aren't collaborating and I'm going to over communicate so that, you know, I'm sure that I'm doing right by my kid and Showing and it's slightly triggering stuff. because if you have ADHD, you're using all your executive function for this one project of trying to get resolution on it. And if you move away from it, you're going to forget out of sight, out of mind. So you kind of come at it with this growly energy because you need to muster that up to see it through. It's hyperdrive. That's that's exactly. And that's what I was going to say is my self-exploration here has been through helping my kids. Jack's ADHD was real obvious. My older son has ADHD too, and it wasn't obvious until puberty plus pandemic. And whoa, then it was like your executive functioning stinks. And now we're also seeing additional symptoms more than just your pubescent boy. <laughs> and so I wouldn't call him necessarily spicy, but I've learned a lot in advocating for my kids. I imagine that's true of all adults. And, and it's, I don't know. I mean, has that been your experience? Yes, but I what I learned is different than because I knew I had um AD since about the age of um uh um so I went into parenting knowing I had ADHD and my child does not my spicy one. Um so what I learned was how much sort of self hatred I had or childhood wounding. And so I I Immediately when she became a problem, somebody I didn't know how to parent, you know, around two or three, I was looking for a diagnosis for her, but it, I wasn't looking for ADHD. I was looking for like early signs of sociopathic behavior or like I really wanted to make her a monster 
so it, it made sense why she was bringing, she was bringing up rage in me and yeah. why we were having these big combustible interactions together. So through that process, I, I did end up finding a play therapist that I took her to. And I was like, you know, all right, tell me, give me, I can take it. Tell me what's wrong with this kid. And the next time I took her, they said, would you be able to get a babysitter for the next time? And so you can come by yourself. And I was like, oh yeah, because we have to talk through the treatment plan for this little psycho baby. Like her and lobotomy so I, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So I went by myself and then I went again and I went again and I went again and I went again and I went for three years. Uh-huh. And my daughter, I never took her to another thing to diagnose her. I mean, she did need speech therapy and I won't tell her her middle school journey. That's hers to tell. But it wasn't her. She was yeah. spicy. She wasn't like all the other kids. Yeah. But her mom was having all these childhood demons coming up. Things that had been said about me, I was now saying about her like, oh, she's so sensitive and she's so bossy and she's too much. And I was just beginning the whole wounding. We were starting it all back up again. Yeah. And so I'm thankful that I was able to break that pattern. Yeah, you know, I, and and I think that's a really good point is we have to parent our kids with, you know, I, I heard somebody, it was the finance discussion actually, but she was talking about how, you know, we all carry around the suitcase, our, our baggage, literally, that has our experiences and our values and what we've been taught and what we think we've been taught and like our whole life comes with us. And so you... We're told all these things as a adolescent that he had ADHD, and then that became a negative experience. And so if we now can stop that cycle and say to our kids and parent our kids and, and breathe the acceptance and the and the uh, the idea that we're going to walk this path with them and that everything is a okay, then maybe we can stop that cycle in them. Because I I mean I have trauma like I, I I was in a gasoline explosion when I was a kid, so nobody could have stopped my trauma. Well, Yamaha kind of stopped my trauma. But but like I parent when my kid drives too fast, I think he's going to die because I almost died when I was his age, you know, and something that was fueled by gasoline. And so I think like if we can stop that trauma and we can walk along with them, maybe we can stop that cycle, right? Yeah. And I don't know if we stop trauma, but we if we can bring like full self-compassion and like slow down to like also bring our curiosity and our mindfulness to like what what's really happening here mm-hmm. why like i used to get so pissed off when i was trying to get soccer shoes on my son and he'd see his buddies out on the field and he'd be trying to run out of the minivan and i almost wanted to grab his little wrist and dig my fingers like it brought up something in me and i had to think this isn't about him this is a boy who's excited to go run there's something else happening here. And whether it's stuff from the past or it's me saying a good mother would already have these cleats on. A good mother wouldn't be running late. Like, or am I bullying myself? So I know you're you're not, we're, we're not here to talk about reparenting necessarily yeah. or, or our inner voices, but I think so much of parenting, shifting that trauma is finding out how are we speaking to ourselves? Gosh, Yeah. I mean, I just had like a thousand images flash before, you know, of my life flash before in my head. I think that's really relatable. That's really, really relatable. And what you have is you have the tools 
for to help parents through that. And that's so important, Mary. So I know you've got a course, um, Calm in the Chaos. And so I imagine, you know, that this kind of speaks to that co-regulation and being aware of your position as the parent. Tell us what parents learn in that. So that one's all about figuring out your unique calm down recipe. Because every single person has obviously the different baggage you just talked about, but we also have different instrument. You know, our greatest parenting tool is our body. And uh, if you step on my husband's feet by accident or my son's, they're both going to curve inward and hold themselves and go, ow, that hurt. If you step on mine, I'm going to immediately shove you. And then I'm going to go, oh, sorry, that's my nervous system versus theirs. They're just different. One's not wrong or right, but some of us go to activated quicker than others. And some of us completely shut down and disassociate. And so becoming aware of what your unique body needs when you are feeling overwhelmed and all your biometrics are like heading up is what this class is about. And it, so it takes you through like four components of that. Like, how do you want to breathe? What do you want to think? How do you want to move? And what do you want to sense? And you kind of write out what your thing is and then you practice it. And it's amazing when you can just begin to lengthen the pause between what happens, the stimulus, and your reaction. That's where all the power is. Mm-hmm. If we could just go from one second to four seconds, if we can keep growing that from four, like throughout the, you know, the weeks and the months that you practice your calm down recipe. Things will shift because you aren't operating out of that brain that's not doing any logical thinking. It's speaking in verbs and it's saying run, hit, a stop. You know, like that's not your best parenting processor to be using. And so that calm down class is just trying to help you figure out how do you become the calmest person in the room little bit by little bit. And so there's a lot of different exercises to try. And some will be like, no, this isn't for me. And others will be like, oh, this is it. Like, can I teach you one right now? Yeah, yeah, please. I need it. This is is a a sensorial exercise. So if you're listening to this, I want you to put down anything that's in your hands because you need both your hands. It's going to take one minute. I want you to take the fingers of your right hand and begin to rub them slowly along the palm and the fingers of your left hand. And as you slowly rub your fingers together, I want you to bring your full awareness to just the sensation of skin dragging under skin. Some other thoughts might come up, some judgments. You just let those float by because right now our brain's job is to notice each ridge and wrinkle, each smooth or scaly part, and just be with the hands right now. And again, you might have a a thought, oh, I still need to do that thing. You just come back to this. You recommand your brain that right now we're taking one minute to just be here feeling, we're using the sense of touch. You can bring it up to your ear. And now you've got two bodily senses. You can hear the whisper of the fingers dragging across your palms and you can feel it. And you can also sort of see it in your peripheral vision. And now you've got three senses and we're done. So that, that comes from the work of Shirzad Sharmin, who wrote Positive Intelligence. And yeah. it's this, we can shut all the tabs in our brain by bringing ourselves into our body and our and and the very present moment with our like sort of somatically 
So that's like one thing we teach in there. But some people are like, that feels disgusting. Oh, okay. You have a different body, right? So you might do something where you squeeze your, you take one hand and squeeze the other wrist and then Uh squeeze the inch above that and keep going and squeezing and releasing all the way up. Yeah. All the way up your arm because that feels better to you. We're all built differently, different brains. Well, I like that. You know, I've gone to a few presentations on essential oils and like the idea, one of the ideas with essential oils is that you can make the brain associate peppermint with thinking. And so if you really need to concentrate peppermint, which is there's research that says it helps you think, but your body starts to just think when it's near peppermint. And I like that because so many times, like I'm always complimented on, see, if my kid did that, I would be out the door. And I'm like, well, my kid has taught me that if I'm out the door, then this this is going to get bad real quick. So like, a lot of it's mind, like for me, just kind of being conditioned to the way he's going to react. But what I love about that strategy is that you're also getting cues from your body. And eventually this feeling on my hands is going to be associated with the act of being more present and calming down. Yes. In fact, I was just when I was walking my friend earlier, I was talking about it. And I just dragged one finger across the palm and I immediately felt this like nurturing oh, because I've been doing this for three years now. And when I do this, it means it's just about me and what I need. And it was like, oh, that's so cool. There's like a, I haven't really started the meditation. I'm walking with a friend, but just, yeah, just that feeling. And you can Um, do that to yourself. And so Mary, then what happens to the kids? Like, how does this then help us help our kids? Well, it's really hard to say, you need to be calm. Why can't you be calm? I'm going to teach you a calming. So the first step, of any kind of good discipline or education is a calm instructor and teacher. Because through while we're calm, we can connect. And when we can connect, we can actually impact somebody. So people are like, yeah, tell me how to tell my kid. Well, let's start with you because I hear you talking at a mile a minute. I see you clenching your belly. I see you shallow breathing. Let's start with you because there is something, and I don't know the science behind it, but there especially with spicy ones where there's such a connection that they pick up your vibe before you've even spoken in the morning. Yeah. And you might think, oh, I don't feel good. And then your kid screams out in the other room and you're like, yep, I knew it's going to be a bad day. There's something happening. We're like tuning forks, tuning against each yeah. other. So it helps yeah. your kid by you being calm. And then once you start to be a calm presence who isn't screaming or yelling all the time or cursing at their kid, you it, all this resourcefulness opens up. You begin to have space to say, let me show my kid or better yet, let me model for my kid. And with the spicy one, they don't want you to teach them anything. So it's better if they come in and you're doing this like hand meditation or you're right. doing the roller coaster breathing I teach or the box breathing or yeah. I, with that kind of child, you want them to come in and think they've caught you doing something nasty and they right. want to And they kind of like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, this is just my, oh, I don't know if I should tell you about it, but this is how I breathe, you know, because a mild child, you can teach the like, let's blow out the birthday candles. Spicy ones are tougher to teach. And like watch a documentary on why it works. And yeah, your other ones aren't good. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you've got a new course that's coming out, like as if that isn't good enough. And there's other evergreen and courses where you get live access to Mary. You've got something new coming out that sounds just incredible. Yeah, it's kind of a leap because it's not a parenting course. So we'll see how it does. But um, 
I have a, a soft spot for people pleasers and Enneagram twos and folks who just take on the weight of the world and get a little walked on by people like me because I'm a, you know, we ADHD are going to ask for whatever we need and make it happen. And so I have a class that I'm doing on this Saturday, November 11th, how to say no without feeling guilty. And we're basically going to spend 90 minutes together of why to say no, how to say no, who to say no to, when is the right time to say no. We've got lots of scripts and a little bit of role playing. And I just want to equip folks who find themselves becoming the PTA's, uh, you know, lackey when they really need to say no and be home with um, a child who has bigger needs or they're taking on more at work than they need to. So it's not, it's my first not a parenting class and we'll see if, if, uh, if, if that's popular or not, but it just wanted to create it. Well, and I mean, to me, that's going to impact your parenting, you know, like I had to say no to everything really quickly during the pandemic. And I am a yes girl. I'm that people pleaser. I'm real. I, I think that I do better when I'm really, really active. But man, I learned so much about myself when life just came to a screeching. And a lot of that had to do with Jack's wellness. He was also doing some weird stuff medically. And so we had no choice. But it was like such an important lesson to me. And it was so super, I had no choice but to learn that lesson. But what's crazy is that now I'm like starting to think, okay, I'm ready to get back involved here. I'm ready to go speak here or to leave town to do this or whatever. Like I used to be gone eight weekends a year to go speak places. And my body is really putting up these boundaries around what that looks like for my family, what that looks like for my health. I'm so much better at accessing, like, you know, with all of my trauma and everything, I've, I've been taught meditation and all of the tricks. And I access a lot of them regularly, but not as consistently as what I'm told to do. And now that I've had this hard stop, I'm so much better at that stuff. So, I mean, I think, Mary, that you're going to teach people that just for, the, for their worldliness, but it's really going to impact their parenting because I know with experience it has impacted mine. Yeah. It, when we're able to set boundaries, we have a lot less resentment and a lot less burnout. Yeah. And there's a lot of victimhood that kind of comes like, I do everything for everybody. Well, maybe you're doing too much. Maybe you're doing things people didn't ask you to do, or maybe you you didn't learn how to say no. A lot of us were groomed to be people who always make the peace and always make others feel better. And I mean, the number one complaint on deathbeds in hospice, according to uh, one nurse who did it for many years of her life was, I wish I would have lived the life I wanted to live instead of the life other people wanted for me. And that breaks my heart. So that's who this class is for. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting that people would feel that way. You know, I mean, gosh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, okay, so then the next class, I'll tell you, the next class I think should be how to deal with the peace. Because like, I What do you do when this- it's peaceful? Yeah. I'm like, how do I enjoy the piece? I kind of find myself at my kitchen island, which literally got installed two days ago. But, you know, in my in my metaphysical kitchen island with my hands up, like, OK, who needs me now? OK. And I made all these changes intentionally so I could go to yoga at 10 in the morning. And I've yet to go to yoga at 10 in the morning. Now I say like I have I'm, I'm doing all kinds of yoga at home and I'm doing 
other things. I, I finally have time to wear matching socks and put lotion on. Even that kind of self-care is like incredible for me. But what's interesting is you find the peace, but if you're spicy like me, you still like crave the dopamine. I guess it's a dopamine rush that comes with that busyness and with being needed and with people wanting you to entertain them. I just got a text like, isn't this guy hilarious? And it's my friend wanting me to say something funny back. Well, I will. Like, I'll I'll play the entertainer because that's mm. what I do. Right. But like that probably gave me like a little like, oh, somebody needs me. Yes. Yeah. And social media will really mess you up that way. I mean, yeah. it just feels like, oh, there's two DMs. Oh, let me go do this. Oh, there's one more DM. Like that is a time suck. But yeah, yeah. I hear a lot in that. I also hear like, I hear the dope. There's also trauma in that, right? Like if you're, if you have a hyper vigilance, that's like the shoe's about to drop, even though it's like, nope, everybody's wearing their shoes and they're at school. That's a, that's a normal, like coming down from what is such active duty and you're moving into a new phase. Like it's totally normal. Yeah. 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 And if we can model the way that we handle this kind of internal, chemical, psychological difference, whatever it is, wave, like the, the the waves that are coming through our bodies, then our kids who have a lot of our DNA in many cases and also have, you know, their own unique makeups and their own unique waves, they're, they're going to see that. I mean, I just, I'm so grateful that you're doing, that you're doing the good work that you're doing. Okay. So oh, thank you. Griffin Barlow has rules about what I can say and, and post and whatnot. And he's 16 and he also got an opinion when he was three. I don't know why God made kids. The so worst. That, my know. kids are single-handedly destroying my business. They will not let me take photos of them on the internet. And I'm respecting oh. it and I'm pissed. I know. Uh, yes. Thank you. I agree entirely. So like, do they, that's it. They, they're like, mom, do they ever say mom? That is like cringy. Oh, yeah. I made what to me is the most beautiful reel of all time, which is basically a voiceover of someone saying, I hope that you have a child just like you. And I mean, not as the threat or the curse that was hurled at you, but as an opportunity for you to see the beauty of this wild, you know, creative, lovely human being. So I made this, I took that voiceover and I did all these gorgeous moments of me and my daughter kind of leading up to launching her. And of course, I had to send it to her first and was like, would it be okay if I put this on the internet? She's like, you're welcome to, but that's full cringe. I'm like, it's not full cringe. It is beautiful and emotional. And so I was actually like, she let me because there are so there's so much cool content I'm not allowed to share. But yeah, I mean, they feel like they try to give me advice and I'm like, sweetheart, you are not my demographic. Um, well, that's what I have to say, too. And I know that like sometimes their friends see us and their friends are like, uh-huh. and I say the same thing. I'm like, I'm and, and their friends are smart, worldly people. So they will eventually know that we aren't crazy. Well, we are crazy, but that we're adorably, we're lovingly crazy. Oh, and it's only our kids. Like if we're dancing and being goofy, it's our kids that have the luxury of rolling their eyes, but their friends who don't have that kind of warmth, like eat it up. I mean, I I am constantly have her friends like moving around her to get to me. um, (laughs) She's like, let's get out of here, you know. Uh, But I do remember like the moment, I remember the moment I stopped being part of her pack sometime in middle school. 
that she had some girls over and they put on music and they started dancing and I started walking towards and she like put up her hand and she was like, no. And I was like, oh, I'm not. She made me feel like that mom and mean girls who's like, guys, does anybody want anything? And I was like, it's not me. I'm just fun to be around. And these wanted some distance. Yeah. Darn it. Why did we give them wings to fly? I don't don't understand. I don't understand. Oh, I figured, but I was like, I got to ask because. Yeah. No, they think I'm super cringy. So Mary, tell everybody where they can find you because your resources are so incredible. You can find me mostly on Instagram at Mary Van Geffen. It's a it's driving van with a V. Um, and I do have a website, maryvangeffen.com, where there's all my old newsletters, which are great. I would get on my newsletter if you're thinking, I think I do have a spicy one because that's what I'm talking about every Friday. Yeah. And then posting every day on Instagram. But if you don't want to be on Instagram, cool. Because in my I am kind of catching people up on what happened there. So good. Thank you so much for the work that you do and for joining us. Oh, you too. Thank you for speaking up for these kids.